Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voicen, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And I want to thank all of my listeners who come from around the world to listen to the words of wisdom from our authors. And I happened to be watching one of Joe Cross's uh, movies the other day, I should say DVD, uh, and he did an interview with our guest author today, Brian Wansink. And Brian has written a book called Slim by Design and is joining us from where, Brian? Where are you this evening? Snowy Ithaca, New York. All right. Well, you're getting snow. And here I am. I, I hate to say it. I'm in San Diego, and it's about 85 degrees today here. So uh, un- unfortunately, we're getting the heat, and you guys are getting the snow. But um, I was so impressed by Brian's book that I reached out to him uh, to do this interview today And really, this is a science and a study that Brian's been doing for years with an opportunity for people really to get a a really good grasp. And he calls it mindless eating because he's got a theory and a strategy for you and a science which he's developed over time, which really I guarantee you will work. So I want you to listen carefully to what Brian has to say. But Brian, before we get into the details of this interview. I'm going to let my listeners know just a tad bit about you. Uh, Brian is a professor uh, and the director of the famed Cornell University Food and Brand Lab, where he's a leading expert in eating behavior. He's the author of Mindless Eating, Why We Eat More Than We Think, as well as three professional books and more than 200 peer-reviewed journal articles. Uh, He was the 2011-2012 president of the Society for Nutritional Education and Behavior, and in 2007 was the White House appointed as the USDA executive director in charge of dietary guidelines for 2010 and the Food Guide Pyramid, that's at mypyramid.gov, and Brian lives with his family in Ithaca, which he just said it's snowing, uh, where he enjoys both French food and French fries. That's a good one. I love that. And French fries, that was a great way to end that. So, you know, Brian, what I really got out of this book was, and your interview with Joe Cross, and for those of you who don't know who Joe Cross is, Joe has done two DVDs now. Fat, dumb, and almost uh, dead, I think it is, isn't it? And he he interviewed Brian, and as he was interviewing, walking around, I was like, boy, Brian's really on to something. Now, you state that it's easier to change this eating environment. That's why you call it slim by design and mindless yeah. eating solutions for every day. Then it is to change our mind, and you call it mindless eating. How did you really discover that this worked better then using the willpower, because you talk about lab and you talk about Nabisco and the different food sizes and all the great stories up front, but really how'd you come across this discovery? Well, this whole idea of, of becoming slim by design, and that's why I named the book that way, came from, I did over 1,000 studies that we've done with people over the years that, uh, that, that pretty much show that for 95% of us, willpower just doesn't work. You know, people talk about being, you know, mindful eaters and say, hey, you know, that's really good if that works for you. But for 90% of us, 95% of us maybe, that's not the solution to eating less or to eating better because 
you know, we come home, we come home from work and God, we're exhausted. You know, the kids are screaming, the phone's ringing. We've got a to-do list with 15 things on it. And, and to be mindful and to cut the pee in half and say, am I full yet? It's just not going to work for us. But instead, what we found is simply changing your immediate eating environment, whether that be in your home, whether that be where you eat in restaurants, how you shop, where you work, where your kids go to school. But making little bitty changes dramatically would influence uh, how much people, uh, how much less people ate, ate if they did it consistently. So, I mean, we had done some research about 10 years ago that showed that when we gave people just slightly smaller plates, let's say 10-inch plates instead of the 12-inch plates most of us eat off of, um, people automatically and unconsciously served about 22% less food because, you know, you put four ounces of pasta on a, on a 10-inch plate and, whoa, it's a full plate. You, uh, you know, use a 12-inch plate, you know, four ounces of a 12-inch plate, it looks like an appetizer, so what do you do? You add more. And you go back for a second. That's kind of the good right? news. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm right. Is it on that on that ten inch plate? You know what you're saying is it looks full, but does that prevent people from satiation? Um, I, I I know that part of it is about kind of how slow we eat too. You know, there's this whole slow food movement. You know, in eating, and I know you don't really get into that, but do you have any thoughts about that? I mean, if you get a ten inch yeah. plate with less on it. Are you going to be satiated, or are you just going to take that same 10-inch plate and go back and get another helping of pasta <laughs> with, 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 you know, with whatever uh, it is? <laughs> yeah. Well, see, it's a great question. What we find, though, is that and this, over the course of the meal, not only do you serve 22% less, but you eat 22% less. Because what happens is in your mind, you kind of say, hmm, I have a full plate of food. I, I'm full. And so there's something called a mindless margin, and this is kind of – it's, it's good news, and it also explains why your diet fails. Now, we find that if during a given day, a person can eat a, up to about 15% less than they typically eat without really realizing it. You know, physiologically, your body doesn't say, oh, I'm hungry. And psychologically, you don't say, hey, I deserve more. But you go much beyond 15% less calories than you typically eat. And you, your body knows it, your mind knows it, and you, it backfires, which is why most diets don't work. Because most diets are related to, uh, you know, eating 50% less or 40% less. That's why we, we revolt against them. But I mean, the, the plate, the plate is one of over 250 studies that we show in, 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 uh, in Slim by Design, the 250 things that people can do to eat, to mindlessly eat less. But the reason that works it's first of all, you think you have a full plate of food. But the interesting thing is, is that we, we've had people, you know, like eight Americans, I think like maybe everybody, they love to just go overboard. So they can go, okay, if a 10-inch plate is good, then a 4-inch plate will be even better. Right. And, and one of the things we find is that but it's not. if you go much below nine, <laughs> yeah, if you go much below nine, nine inches, it backfires because you just go, you, you know, you're fooling yourself. You go back for seconds or thirds of force. Right. But I mean, that's, that's the really powerful thing about being slim by design is, is there are tons of little small things that you can do that automatically get you to eat less. Well, and we're going to talk about those. And in, in, in the book is, is they say down in New Zealand, it's chock a block. It's full of great ideas. I mean, this book. <laughs> 
is, I mean, there's diagrams and there's charts and there's there's great things. And I just got to compliment you too. Whoever designed this book, uh, designed this book just incredibly successfully for easy use. So, you know, you state that we buy or eat more than 80% of all our food within a five-mile radius, which I found kind of interesting from where we live and that five places account for more than 75% of what we eat. What are you recommending to my listeners that we do to alter these environments? I know you talked about the kitchen. I know there's certain restaurants. It's the way you sit in the lighting in the restaurant, whether it's near the window or it's bare. But talk to my listeners overall. If you were to just meet somebody on the street and they said, hey, Brian, I have, uh, you know, I have three minutes. Tell me what I can do in my environments to really help me out. Well, there's five different environments where we overeat. It's, it's our home. It's the two or three restaurants we eat at most frequently. Not our favorite, the ones we eat at most frequently. I mean, for me, they're McDonald's and Applebee's because those are the ones that are closest to my house. Uh, they end up being where we shop for groceries, where we work, and where kids go to school. In all those places, there's there's literally 100 things in each of those places. We have 100-point scorecards in the book Slim by Design. And, and actually, at the website, slimbydesign.org, you can get starter scorecards on this, but they, they enable you to go, go through and say, really, is my house making me heavy or is it making me healthy? Is my house making me fat by design or slim by design? Throwing out a, a 10-point scorecard to get you started um, tells you whether it's working for you or against you. Um, so simply, I mean, if, you serve, uh, if your kitchen's cluttered or messy, on average, you eat about 44% more snacks than someone whose kitchen, kitchen is straightened up a little bit. Um, if you have a fruit bowl anywhere in your kitchen, on average, you're going to weigh eight pounds less than your neighbor who doesn't. I mean, there's a lot of very small, hey, do you do this? you have a fruit bowl? Well, if not, you don't get a point. If you do, you get a point. <clears throat> is your kitchen cluttered? Well, you get a second point. If you end up serving your entrees or your main courses and your starches off of the stove or off of the counter instead of having that pasta sitting right in front of you, we find you eat about 20% less. Well, if you do that, you get another point. And so this scorecard approach is great because simply looking at a 10-point scorecard, I mean, there are 100-point scorecards in the book, but that only tells you how well you do. But more importantly, or I guess as importantly, it also says, hey, you know exactly what changes to make tonight in your home or where you eat or where you shop. They can help you eat uh, a lot better. So now you you mentioned in the book that, you know, people want to lose weight, that they do what slim people do. And then you talk about the behaviors that you've observed slim people, including in restaurants. Um, And... And, and I found it kind of interesting. You know, you said, hey, slim people sit by the window. Uh, you know, they eat more salads. Um, can you talk to our listeners about the adoption of some of this behavioral modification that actually works and it's mindless, little mindless things that, that we can do to lose yeah, and or reduce yeah, absolutely. the consumption of food? Yeah, and actually, and kind of the important thing is, is, this isn't like my opinion. This is these are studies that we've published in in peer reviewed scientific journals. I mean, it's all based on on uh, studies. But I'll tell, you, I'll tell you one thing that's kind of interesting when we're talking when we're talking about restaurants. 
when we're talking about restaurants, one of the things that we do is we say, you know, a lot of people say, hey, there's no way I could eat at a buffet without gaining weight. It's like, really? Well, I mean, we see tons of people at buffets that are really thin. And what is it that thin people do? What is it that slim people do that heavy people don't do? And one of the things we observed about um, about 350 diners in Chinese buffets to see what is it that skinny people do? Because you can't necessarily ask a skinny person or a slim person what they do differently because their, their behaviors have become patterned enough. So they're just habits. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things... They don't even um, they don't even know with, what they do, right? Because it's so yeah, ingrained. yeah, right, right. So you, you can't figure out by watch by by asking them, but you can find out by by watching them. And so one of the things we did is we we observed these all these diners <laughs> from the moment they came into the buffet to when they left. We found in the buffet there's there's uh, there's, there's five things that that slim people do that heavy people don't. First. Um, on average, they tend to use a smaller plate if one's available. They're about eight times as likely to use a smaller plate. And they're also more likely to use chopsticks. Um, we find they're also, on average, they sit 16 feet farther away from the buffet than the heavy person. Hmm. So as a result, you know, the food's kind of almost something in the background. With, with heavy people, that food is right in front of them. You know, they're watching everybody who goes by. They're seeing it. Uh, heavy people are also three times as likely to face the food, looking at the food, whereas slim people, yeah, they, they sit with their back to it or to the side to it, but it's, it's not in their visual thing. So as a result, they're not thinking of food all the time. Every time everybody goes up. And the last difference we found was that well, they also chew on average 15 times mouthful, whereas heavy people chew about 13. Um, but we also found that that slim people... Um, about 71% of them uh, walk up and walk around the buffet before they pick up their plate. They essentially scull it out. Okay? In contrast to that, about 80% of heavy people just go right to the plate, pick it up, and start then looking at the items over there. And so, you know, the, the thing is, there's this huge news you can use. If you want to eat less at a buffet, you know, hey, sit far away, face away, use smaller plates, scout out the food before you eat a plate. Now, this study I just mentioned, I mean, it's correlational, okay? It's not causal. We're just, we just see what skinny people do, and it's correlational. But we've got this saying in my, my lab, the Cornell Food and Brand Lab. We say, if you want to be skinny, you do what skinny people do. You, you load the deck in your favor. Mm-hmm. to do the right thing. Most definitely. Now, you you say there's three elements in slim by design. Uh, can you discuss with our listeners what those three elements are? You know, you speak yeah, about... You know, and, and, Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And, and these, these, things are, these things are really, really broad. But <clears throat> I'll, I'll, I'll use an example about um, how, how, this, how this works. Um, the thing is, what we want to do is we want to make it say there's a food we want to eat more of. The whole key is to make it more convenient, more attractive, and more normal to choose compared to something else. Okay, so for instance, if you want your kids to eat more fruit, well, you make it more convenient. You can put it in a, in a fruit bowl, for instance, and you make it more attractive. That, that fruit bowl is more attractive than a 
bin in the refrigerator. And you can make it look more normal. And it is more normal to see right next to your, your car keys all the time. But you can also make it additionally convenient by quartering it and putting it in a baggie. Or by putting it in a lunch and putting a little Elmo sticker on it. So you see, you see these are all things related to eating there. But the nice thing is there's, there's tons of suggestions that we can give these places around us, you know, our favorite restaurant or grocery store or where we work, of what they can do to help us eat a lot better. And that way it doesn't just benefit us and our family, but it benefits everybody yeah. who goes to that restaurant. Now, now let's talk about that because a restaurant, I have several questions here, but this one is about yeah. your chapter on In Praise of Leftovers. And you discuss this whole doggy bag, I call it the doggy, I, I coined it the doggy bag syndrome. Um, what, what do you recommend to our listeners? Really, you know, you go into a restaurant, they're big plates. Uh, the reality is, is most of the restauranteurs uh, think they need that size of plate to attract the customer. Uh, yeah. They also yeah. can, they can charge more for that. Uh, but then there's these mm-hmm. leftovers, right? You don't finish it. You're 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 just stuffed. Um, talk about leftovers. Talk about those restauranteurs and what they're doing psychologically to us to really get us to eat more, because that's uh, kind of what they're doing, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I maybe I'm a little bit more sympathetic because I don't really think most restauranteurs care whether we eat all their food or not. They don't, they don't, they're not there to make us fat. Right. All he wants to do is they want us to buy it there and not across the street. Right, right. <laughs> if we go to a Burger King and we order large fries and just throw it all away, Burger King doesn't care because at least we bought it there and not at Arby's or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's true. But, yeah. I mean, the reality is is this whole leftover. I mean, you devoted – I would. it wasn't a big chapter, but you did – Devote a section in your book to these leftovers. Um, you're saying, yeah. so most people don't feel, they come along with this psychological element of, you know, when they're a kid, eat all the stuff on your plate. And if you don't, then, yeah. you know, your mom says, hey, they're starving kids in Biafra. You know, I'm, I'm old enough to remember <laughs> my mom saying that, right? So, you know, yeah. you feel compelled to take this styrofoam box home with you. And uh, sometimes you eat it and sometimes you don't. But but speak with us about it and speak with what what you would recommend people do. Yeah, well, you know what's interesting about leftovers is that there's this this this, uh, this notion that once you're given something, it's called it's called the endowment effect. That once you're given something, whether it be a you know a, you know a cheesy coffee mug or whether it be a um, you know a huge plate of food, you value it a whole lot more than before you're given it. And so with food, once we get it, and we're, we're almost like the, the, you know, the lion like puts the one arm around the food and sort of like, you know, kind of guards it as we're eating it. And the bad thing about that is that anything that we don't eat, people see very sort of, you know, at a deeper level. It's kind of a loss. It's something they're, they're giving up, something they're not doing, even if they decide to take a doggy bag or a, you know, to go play. But a really easy thing that, that we find that restaurants can do and that well, you can do for yourself is that if you ask yourself um, ahead of time or remind yourself, you say, you know, I'm going to take, I'm, I'm going to make, I'm going to commit to taking something back with me tonight in a doggy bag. All of a sudden, if you do that before you order, mm-hmm. you say, you know, you know, 
keeping in mind that I'm going to take something home with me, what am I going to order? What we find is it dramatically increases you know, the likelihood that you're going to take that you're going to well, it dramatically decreases how much you take um, because it also increases um, you taking uh, the doggy bag home. So it's a, it's a really, if you're in a place that's massive portions, you do that before you order receive. Like I'm here at uh, the Cheesecake Factory, let's say. You know, I am going to order what I want, keeping in mind that I am going to take something home with me. All of a sudden, then instead of eating 70% of it, you eat, you know, 50% of it or 60% of it because you're keeping in mind, let me leave enough to save and bring back. Now, you, you talk about this with the Italian restaurants and bread and Mexican restaurants and chips. And you said, hey, when has it ever been you went into a Mexican restaurant that you didn't have enough <laughs> chips? And then you discuss this whole concept of drinking water, which is kind of my uh, strategy. Um what advice do you give to someone who's feeling caught in this, I'll call it the carb overload challenge or syndrome? You know, it's either <laughs> it's either the bread or the chips yeah. and the salsa, right? But when you go to Mexican restaurants, that's the first thing they do is bring a big basket of chips. And obviously, <laughs> they do, isn't yes, it? yes. And then when you go to an Italian restaurant or any of these others, it's a it's a bread it's a bread basket, right? So you, I yeah. noticed in the documentary that you did with Joe. You actually said it was real easy. You just take the basket and you move it across onto the other table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Well, to, yeah. You know, yeah, I, I don't think anybody in the history of Western civilization has ever left a Mexican restaurant saying, hey, I really wish I would have eaten more of those chips. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> no. <laughs> So it's, it's, it's I, you know, I don't think, uh, you know, most people regret eating this. But I think that the, the, the cool thing to keep in mind that makes it a whole lot easier for us, because usually you sit down and you're starving, you're like, look at that good, salty goodness. But I think if a person realizes and they say, you know, here's the deal. If I eat those, first of all, I'm going to eat a whole lot more calories than, you know, than I typically would. But second of all, I'm actually going to enjoy my meal less than I otherwise would. We find that people, when they, when they rate the quality of food at a restaurant, um, after they've eaten um, you know, bread or chips or, uh, I guess we just start with bread and chips, yeah. they, they always rate it as lo- just slightly lower than if they didn't eat that to begin with because they're not as hungry. And if you say, hey, wait a minute, I'm going to be spending a bundle on this meal. If I want to like it less and be fatter, why don't I eat the chips? But if that's not the case, if I don't want to be fat and like it less, why don't I just ask them not to bring it or push it to the far side of the table so the other group people at the table can eat it? But just keep going, because I'm doing myself a favor in a whole bunch of different ways. And um, Now I have a so, question, you know, kind of as I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm, I'm hearing all these great tips, and this isn't, I don't know, you can consider it an odd question, but having a master's okay, degree I, in psychology, I'm sitting oh, here yeah. okay. saying... You know, I know it's not willpower and it's mindless, but really, do I'm I'm thinking this, Brian? If if I have to think about moving it, you know, or I got to do this, is it really mindless? That that would really be my question yeah. because the reality is you do have to be mindful 
of all of these various things you're talking about, don't you? Or do they just become... You, what you're trying to do is get people's environments set up once, and then they stay that way, right? That's that's exactly right. And they do it once, just like like I, when I talked about the people the the uh, Chinese buffet. You know, maybe at one point they said, "Hey, I'm going to sit far away from the food so I don't eat as much." But very quickly it became just habitual. You know, maybe they thought about it once, or maybe it just evolved. But with a lot of these changes, you you think about them once, and once you do it. That it's, it's done. It's, it's okay. over. Yeah. And you know, you, 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 I'm sorry. No, I agree. I agree. You could do well, that. Yeah. And you brought up a really, you brought, you brought, and the key is to make things, I should, you know, is mildly easy, let's say effortlessly easy in a way you don't have to think about it. But uh, you, you said something interesting earlier, and you mentioned, you, you kind of said, oh, some of these tips. You know, what I, what I kind of like to do, and I've kind of, I've evolved my thinking on this, is that when we discover things that we think that we find work you know, really well, in the, not just in the lab when we test them, but in the real world, um, we kind of like to refer to them as tools, okay? So like dietitians, you know, might give tips or they might give, you know, things like, hey, you know, eat um, this versus that or, um, but these, these are psychological and, and, we, and behavioral, I guess. Yeah. And so we call them tools because like a tool, if you don't use a tool, you know, you know it's not going to work for you. It's going to go, Hey, that's a really cool tool. Look at it over there. Well, it's not really going to work for you if you just look at it and point at it. And I think with a lot of things related to wellness and improvement, and I, I, by the way, I love what you do with your web, and I love the service you provide. Um, but a lot of these changes, if we don't use them, um, they're, they're not going to work for us. Yeah, and no, I agree. That's, and why, you, that's why this book to me was just so great. I mean, you, you're giving people an opportunity to actually not have to think about how they eat. They just need to change this environment. And that's what I want to get across to this audience is that, you know, if you get Brian's book... You get the opportunity to learn how to change these environments, and once you do it, you don't really have to think about it. Now, all the things we're talking about right now, you obviously have to think about. But once you do them, put the fruit bowl out, change where you sit in the restaurant, you know, push the chips off the table. Those become habit, new habit, and that's kind of what we're talking about here, right? Yeah, no, it is. It is. You know, it's, what's interesting is that this is a number of years ago I had a. I had an MBA student. I was, I was a professor at uh, the Wharton School of Business in Philadelphia, and I had an MBA student whose dad was a very, who was a, a famous uh, a self-improvement book writer. And you, you know, back then they called them self-help books. Right. And I'm I'm a huge consumer of self-improvement and self-help books. And so I, I heard him, and I at one point I he's in my office. I said, "Hey, you know, have you ever sort of profiled or prototyped?" Um, the, the type of people who uh, buy all your dad's books. And he goes, yeah, yeah, he says, I have. He says, they fall into two groups. He says, the first group is people who are they're really pretty efficient and they're really effective. You know, they're really operating at maybe a 93% level, and they're, they're trying to get that last 7%. He says, um, he says, he says in the other group, he says, it's the bigger group. He says, they're the group that will not, end up finishing even the first chapter of each book they buy. Mm-hmm. You know, and I thought that really struck me. And I think it's the same way with some of these 
the tools that we talk about, but we find that if people just take one tool, what ends up happening and, and using one of them just consistently at least 25 days a year, we find on average they, they, they report to us um, losing on average about a pound and a half, even if they're not dieting. And But if we look at things as tips, you know, like even in some of the things uh, you might write about or people might hear, if people see things as tips, they seem as life hacks. And right. you know, like life hacks. Yeah. We, we read about them and think, wow, that's really cool. I should do it sometime. But how many of those do you ever do? It's like none. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and one of the things that we've done that I think is really powerful in Swim by Design in, in the book is, <clears throat> is I found that you can tell people things they can go, can I go, oh, let's say it's simply the small plate. And I can demonstrate it. I can show videos. I can, I can have them demonstrate it. Um, I, I can have them discuss it. And if I say, hey, so do you think you might change out your plates when you get home? They'll go, mm, no, I don't think so. But now that I'm, I'm aware of it, it won't happen. It totally will happen. So one of the things that we've done that's made Slim by Design so powerful in helping change behavior is we, we have these scorecards. And I mentioned this a little bit earlier, earlier that, you know, if you take a scorecard at the back of the book, a 100-point scorecard that says, okay, is my home making me happy? Okay, first, um, is, the kitchen, is my kitchen uncluttered? Yes, it is. I get a point. You know, is uh, am I serving off a small place? Yes, I get a second point. We find the scorecard approach works really well at changing people's behavior because it shows them how poorly they often do, but it objectively says what they can do to be better. Mm-hmm. And, and and with that in mind, I wanted to talk about one more of your, uh, I wouldn't call it tips, it's actually a shift somebody would make. And anybody out there who has gray duct tape, um, actually Brian has a great idea. You know, he calls this the half cart solution. So what I'd like you to do, because look, when people go down the grocery aisle, you know, (laughs) arbitrarily just choosing a lot of times, that's why these merchandisers, which you've worked with yourself, Nabisco and all of them, they're very bright. When I first got out of college, I worked as one of those guys who stuck that stuff on the shelves and fought for shelf space. And I understand the psychology of of what those markets are attempting to do. But this this I'd never heard in my life. You know, take some duct tape, put it across halfway on your cart. Then you're what you're telling me, you're really going to think about what you put in. Tell us a little bit more about that. What do the studies actually show? Well, the reason that all these ideas are in, in some design are new is that they're all ones that we developed here in my lab and ones that we've tested. And so we developed, of course, when I was, when I was with the... Uh, um, when I was with, in charge of the dietary guidelines with the U.S. Department of Agriculture, that we, it was the, my plate idea was that we first floated by. I mean, it, it didn't work in my administration. The next administration picked it up. But this is sort of the same thing, is that we find if you divide, and we recommend for people at home to use a half-plate concept at home, which means, look, half your plate has to be fruits, vegetables, or salad. The other half, whatever you want. But use that one rule of thumb. I guarantee you'll eat better. And we... That worked in the home, and so we took that into grocery stores, and we said, okay, when we divided a cart in half, you know, and we had a sign in the front, we just used duct tape. Did you really said, hey, use duct tape? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yellow duct tape, though, yep. Wow. Yep. 
And he said, uh, you know, put your fruits and vegetables in the front, everything else in the back. And it almost doubles the amount of fruits and vegetables people buy. Now, because what happens, first of all, is your every item you have to pick up, you have to say to yourself, is this a fruit or vegetable? No, I'll put it in the back. And, and so one thing makes you aware of what you're picking up. Um, but second, what it does, it suggests a norm, suggests that it's normal for half your car to be fruits and vegetables. Now, we don't know it's normal, but this, is, this appears to be 50%. And one of the things, I guess you could take a roll of duct tape with you, but it's just easier. I mean, the, the stuff that we do and all, the stuff that my, all the people in my lab do once we discovered how powerful this is, is we might use our coat to just throw a coat across the, the middle. Right. Say, okay, fruits and vegetables in front of the coat, everything else in the back. Or you we know, just don't or, we just uh, don't wear those coats out here because it's yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay, okay. I guess, okay, you can take it. Okay, you can take off your tank top. And put your, put your tank top. <laughs> I mean, back where you are, it's snowing a blizzard, and here I am, and it's like eighty-five degrees. <laughs> no, co- no coats out here today. That's for certain. But uh, no, but it's a great concept. I mean, you're saying fill half of it with vegetables and half of it with the other staples that you're buying right and so in essence the caloric intake is reduced because you're filling it with vegetables which you know most of these diets they say hey you can eat as much leafy greens as you want uh you can eat as much fruit as you want um and truly obviously it uh digests easier and it's obviously uh, less of a challenge with your weight because uh, even though it might be some of those fruits high in sugar, you're you're still got an opportunity to eat a lot more healthy foods. Um, now, you're, where my listeners would go, Brian, to learn more is slimbydesign.org for these scorecards. You have scorecards for restaurants, for the kitchen, for all these areas uh, that they would want to go to. They also can buy this book um, off of Amazon.com, I would presume they can get it from your website. Is there is there one particular YouTube video up there that you'd recommend that they listen to, or a TED Talk that you've been on, or something that really kind of takes this and solidifies it down into how they might uh, really become slim by design? Actually, there are a number of YouTube videos, and um, I was going to say go to the ones that. Go to the ones that have the most views. The ones that have the most views are just the funniest ones. So that might not be the, okay. that might not be the way to go. But I, I think I think if you go to the if you go to the website, uh-huh. that's that's the way to do it. Because it, it importantly does the, the the my major intention for the book. And my major intention is not just to give people tools that they could use in these five places to eat better, but equally important, if not more important for our country is it gave them tools that they could use to suggest to their favorite restaurant about how they could help them eat healthier in a win-win way, how they could, things they, changes they could suggest yeah, that they I would saw that. make. You said, you yeah. basically are saying, let's, let you said you have some great stories about transforming a town and the restaurants yeah. in the town, and you created this 100-point restaurant scorecard. How would those listeners who are really proactive and want to get these restaurants to change, what recommendation do you having them 
you know, it, it's almost like uh, Jamie, you know, he goes out there and gets communities and people to change and the people within them. You know, you're creating to create a movement here, like Joe Cross. He, I mean, he obviously created a movie with, uh, created a movement with um, his uh, documentary. And uh, I can see that happening with Slim by Design as well. So how do they get involved in this uh, little scorecard thing and being able to change the yeah. town restaurants? Well, absolutely. Well, the first the first thing they can do is they can just go to the they can just simply tonight they can go to the website slimbydesign.org and there's a there's a there's a tab for uh, guiders for activists and stuff. So click click the activist thing or just go and fill out a scorecard for your favorite restaurant, favorite food place, or uh, where you shop for groceries, and it'll ask you ten questions. Answer those questions. There's yes no questions. And at the end, you'll get a score as to whether your let's see, restaurant is making you fat or whether it's making you slim by design, whether it's making you you know heavy or healthy. And you have the option of sending them as a tweet, or the option of sending it posting it on Facebook, and it, it'll it'll say, "Hey, here's my restaurant. You got a three out of ten. Hey, come on, guys, you can do better than this." Well, but it also has the has. It also has the hashtags that go to that go to the restaurant if it's a chain, and the hashtags that go to the grocery store if it's a chain. And well, the good thing is they this, need to. I need to remind them too, and there will be a link for my listeners. It's slimbydesign.org. Don't forget the org, because if you try slimbydesign.com, you don't get there. So a key to that, and in there, there's a course. Uh, you know, you've been on Oprah and you've been on Oz and you've been everywhere. So for my listeners, Brian is definitely the guy that you want to go to. If you want to change the design of your home, if you want to get proactive about the restaurants that you go to in your environment, your grocery stores, he's got a plethora of just incredible, not just information, but really opportunities for you to get involved and how you could make a huge change. Um, I love it. I just, uh, I just glad that we had this interview. And your other book is Mindless Eating. Is that correct? Yeah, Mindless Eating, and that was a that's in like I don't know, thirty languages or something like that. And that's that's more about the individual. I mean, Slim by Design is about the individual, but it also shows what we can do as individuals to get our family better and to get our community and our country to eat better in a very easy way. Well, it was a pleasure having you on the show, and um, I really appreciate you taking the time that you did to um, speak with our listeners and inform them about ways to become slim by design, mindless eating solutions for everyday life. Um, for all my listeners, please go pick that up. You can get it at Amazon, all your best booksellers. Um, you can click on the link through Brian's website, which will there, and I'm sure I'll probably take you to Amazon. But the reality is, is um, it's a well worth your investment. Lots of great tips, lots of great opportunities for you to change your uh, environment. And as he said, automatically probably lose, uh, I don't want to say in pounds, but I'll talk about percentages. What did you find that people uh, lost as a percentage of overall weight if they followed your program? You're not sure as a percentage. And this was a we. This was a, a just a we just did it as a three month study, but we found on average the typical person who is not dieting lost about four to five pounds over that three months. That's significant so, that was, for for such a minor yeah. little change. It's significant. Yeah, and, 
Yeah, and all they had to do was do one thing, and it didn't almost matter what it was. They all, all, all worked equally well. But the key thing was, these, these weren't dieters. These were just people who came to the website trying to find ways to get their family to eat better. And when they did this one one thing, whether it be serving differently, whether it be cutting up fruit, <laughs> putting it in the main uh, refrigerator, putting all their snacks in just only one cupboard, no matter what they did, they reported two months later being on average about four to five pounds lighter. Well, Brian, you know, you're I, here. You're going to I make a difference thank you. in all these. Thank you. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I want to thank you for what you do, too, because I think one of the biggest services we can do with our friends and the people we come in contact with is, is to empower them to become better people and to become more impactful in the way they might dream. And that's what Swim by Design and Mindless Eating were intended to do. But it's also what, what you do on a daily basis, and I, and I appreciate that because I think what transformed my life more than anything was my first year in college, somebody gave me a, a book to read. It's called um, uh, The Magic of Thinking Big. Uh-huh. I remember that turned book. my life around. Yeah. Yeah. Was, I, so I appreciate very much what you do. Was that Schwartz? It was a guy by the name yes, of Schwartz. Yes, it was. Wrote it. it yeah. was. It was. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have that. I, of course, I have probably about a thousand books. I get sent about three to five books a week. <laughs> so wow. Wow. at any rate, I really appreciate you being on Brian. You're a great guy. I can tell. And obviously somebody that's very much a giver and uh, you're a giver of your time, but you really want to help people. Thanks for being on inside personal growth. Thank you for the opportunity.